It's a great day to be here um, at Four Corners Church. A lot of good things going on across the entire church. But today, we're excited to share a message with you um, about how we're going to, as a corporate body, try to detox some of the stuff in our life as a church, as Four Corners Church. So over the last few weeks, what we've done is talked about detoxing our lives individually. Several of you have taken next bold steps towards doing that. We've talked about detoxing your life financially. We've talked about detoxing some of the relationships in your life. Last week, we talked specifically about friendships and how there might be some toxic relationships and friendships that you have. And uh, it's been really good. And generally speaking, what we've been trying to do is talk about what kind of margin do we all as individuals need to create in our lives so that we can maybe do some better things instead of some good things that we might be doing. Maybe we need to eradicate some bad things so that some better things can come into our life. Really, we've been talking about trying to create some breathing room. And so, like I said, it's been a great message series so far. Thousands of Next Bold Steps have been taken. We've gotten some good testimonies back about some of the changes you guys have made. But like we do a lot of times at Four Corners Church, we think it's important to just spend a Sunday every now and then and talk corporately as a body, as a church, as a community, about some things that we might need to do, some steps we might need to take so that we can fully live out the plans that God has for our life. And this week, we want to talk about something that we need to detox. Now, if you're a first or second time guest with us here today, um, I want to give you a little bit of a warning so you know what you're getting into. We're going to talk today about money and a little bit of financial detox that we need to do as a church. But I don't want you to get your guard up because if this isn't your church home, we're not going to ask anything out of you. We just simply want to be real today, like our slogan as a church says, real, up, real now. up now. And we just want to communicate with you a place where we are as a church financially, throw out a little bit of a challenge to you, see if we can meet that goal. But before then, we want to talk about a story in the Bible that we think represents really what this church is all about, what every good church across the world is about. Extrapolate that a little bit, see if we can get some pointers from it, and really end up talking about grace and the grace of Jesus Christ. Greg, it really is a good day to be here. If, if you're relatively new, like, like Greg said, I invite you to just enjoy today because you're going to get a little snapshot about our heart. You know, when people talk about what's important to them and when, when they're feeling maybe a little pressed in and you see how they operate, then you get a real snapshot of their heart. So it's a great day to be here. And if you're relatively new, not brand new, uh, you're really going to see what, what we've been about and what we've been doing really over the last few years. So Greg said we're going to talk about this story today, and it's powerful. Uh, let, let me, before I tell you the story, though, let, me, let me make something clear to you that's kind of been a driving truth for us from day one. We've used several words to describe it, but it's been a driving truth for us. Here it is on the side screens. The church, the big C church, all churches, our church, the church is at its best when our extension of grace is most clear. Now, you have a church story. Uh, your story might be that you never went. <laughs> That's your church story. Or it might be you used to go as a kid and then you fell away. It, it might be that you were at another church, got your feelings hurt, or somebody did wrong and you left. And everybody's got a church story. I've got a church story. You've got a church story. But the thing universally that makes church good is not that we get together and do great music or hear compelling messages. The thing that makes church great when it's great is when the grace of God is on clear display in the life of that body, in the life of that local community. And I want to tell you this about us. We're not a perfect church. But from day one, we have tried to be a place, and God has blessed our efforts, where God's grace was made tangible and real in the way we treated each other, in the way we talked about each other, and what we called each other to do, and how we rallied ourselves around common goals. 
not for any one person's praise or to prop up a kingdom for any one person or a small group of people, but so that we could create this place in northern Cincinnati where people could come to know Jesus and they would see the Father's heart. Here's a pastor's secret. I know this, that if I can get you to see God clearly, if I can help you to see Jesus clearly, it will begin to set right everything wrong in your life. It will begin to set right everything wrong in my life. A clear picture of God, his heart, his character is the catalyst for significant life change. And most people who have a kind of burr under their saddle about God or about religion, can I tell you what the number one problem is? They don't have a clear picture of what God's really like because when you see God, when you see the Father, as opposed to seeing maybe how people represent him or just how your experience dictates to you what he must be like, when you really see the Father, it's a game changer. So this story, Greg, takes us to that place. Yeah, you know, back up just a little bit. We've been at church now for almost nine years, eight and a half years, something Mm -hmm. like that. And it's been a good run, but you were talking about why churches exist and how we want to be extensions of God's grace. One of the questions we get asked a lot, Ben and I are brothers, if you don't know that. He's a lot older, you can tell (laughs) just by looking at him. It's the wisdom. That's what it is. Um, (laughs) One of the questions we get asked a lot is, why did you start a church? I mean, there's a lot of churches in the area. There were when we started eight or nine years ago. And really, this principle that we want to drill down on today is why we started. Yeah. We want to be extensions of God's grace. We, we have the slogan, like I referenced earlier, of real love now, where we want to be real. We want to come together and be real people. And it kind of has implications for what we're going to talk about in this story in the Gospel of Luke that many of you have heard before, because we want to create a place where you can be yourself, yeah. where you can be real. Yeah. We wanted that. Our church experience was being involved in a church growing up where you couldn't do that. Some of you will be able to relate with this, where you had your normal life, kind of your Monday through Saturday life, and then you had your Sunday life, and it might not have been far different from your normal life, but there was a certain sense where you had to put on a church face, come a certain way, maybe pretend a little, hopefully not a lot, and did your church thing, and then when you get out of church, you could go back and kind of live normal life again. We didn't want that. We didn't feel like that was really what God wanted from us, because The truth about how God operates, who he is, what his character is like is, he loves us just like we are. The Bible says he knows us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows our deepest, darkest darkest secrets. And yet he loves us. And yet he loves us. He knows our sins. He knows when we mess up. He knows when we're a good parent or a bad one, a good husband or a bad one, and he knows it. And in spite of that, he loves us. And he says, come to me just like you are, don't pretend like you, have, you don't have problems, and I'm going to love you. And the reason we started Four Corners Church is we wanted to create a place where you could do that, not only with God, your Heavenly Father, but with the community with of believers who are leaning in the same direction, asking God, look, God, what can I do right now as a bold step, as a next step in my life to grow into being a little bit more like the man or woman you created me to be? And that's why we started this it thing. Is. And today when we're talking about how we need to detox a little bit as a church, create a little bit more breathing room as a church, we want to make sure that we're clear on what this church is all about. Yeah. We just want to make sure we're extensions of God's grace where you can come as you are, experience God's love, experience a community of love, and continue to grow down the path that God has for you. Great. A lot of churches talk about um, having that as kind of their front door ministry. We want to be a church that extends to the community 
this idea of grace. But we wanted for the folks who were a part of us to live in kind of perpetual state of right. grace among each other. I, I know this. I don't know about you, but I know I need grace. I need, I need you to be gracious with me. I need to let the character of God in my, in my life shine through and, and shine onto you. But I need you to let the character of God shine through your life and bleed onto me because I don't know about you, but I haven't arrived yet. I, I haven't elevated to some plane of perfection um, it's just not, not the, and it's not the case here. And so creating this community. And so where does, where does this come from? It comes directly from the heart of God. So the story is found in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 has three short stories in it. They're parables. They were talked to us from Jesus himself. So in many of the Bibles, the words are in red, which means you take them extra seriously because Jesus is talking. And he weaves together three short stories about life. They're not stories that particularly really happened in time and space, but they happen all the time in, in reality. They're metaphors about the way life works. So the first story he tells is a story of a lost sheep and the shepherd who has a heart for the sheep, ditches everything and goes and finds the sheep, turns all of his attention on the sheep. And when he has the sheep and, and the idea that the shepherd is carrying that sheep back to the fold, there's great comfort and celebration. And then, then he tells another story about a lost coin where a woman has a coin and she loses it, and the coin's very viable. So she, she does everything she can. She turns her house upside down to find this coin. And when she finds it, there's great rejoicing. And then he tells a longer story. Two-thirds of the chapter 15 of the book of Luke, two-thirds of that, is this longer story of what we often call the prodigal son or the lost son. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And in this story, we don't just get incidental stuff. We kind of get more of a round picture, a broader, more encompassing picture of what that situation was like. And here's the deal. In this household, there were three people. There was a dad and two brothers, an older and a younger. And in that culture, when the dad passes away, the oldest son gets a double portion of the inheritance. So in their case, it would be divided into three. The younger son would get one-third. The older son would get double that or two-thirds of the inheritance. And at some point, the younger son looks at his dad and says, Dad, I want what's coming to me, and I want it now. Now, this was an ultimate insult because it's basically saying, uh, I don't want your influence. I don't want to live around you. I don't want to continue on our family business. I want to do my own thing. I basically want to treat you like you're dead and go ahead and get all that's coming to me. And for some reason, the dad does it. He gives his son the third, and the son takes off. And the Bible says it this way, that he spends his money on riotous living. I don't know what all that means, but you could probably fill in the blank. And pretty soon, his friends are gone because his money's gone. <laughs> And he is in a bad place. He's literally feeding the pigs in a faraway land. And he's so hungry that the food the pigs are eating looks good to him. And then the Bible says he comes to his senses. He comes to his senses. And he says this to himself. The servants in my father's house have it better than me. I've been on my own, but the servants under my father's care have it better than me. I'm going to go back there, and I don't deserve to be a son, but I'm going to go back and ask him to make me a servant because my dad takes care of his servants. And so he makes his way back home. And then the Bible says about the second character that the father sees him coming down the road. And uncharacteristically in the ancient Near East, this older head of household lifts up his garments and runs to meet the son. He doesn't send a servant. He doesn't send a messenger or an emissary. He runs to meet the son and rather than scolding him, he embraces him, and he hugs him. And then he calls for the servants, these that are well taken care of, and he says, quick, kill the fatted calf, grab the robe, put it on him, put a ring, my signet ring, on his finger, put new shoes on his feet. My son who was lost has been found. He who is dead is back alive. We're going to throw a party, throw a party for him. 
So we've heard, now heard from two characters. And then the third character is the older brother, who at this point, everything in the family's combined wealth belongs to him, will belong to him. Two-thirds that is left, it's all his. He's out doing the work because that's what he did. He was the faithful son. And he hears through the activity of the household that there's a party being thrown. And somebody's taken the fatted calf, his fatted calf, and some of his money and the gold signet ring that belongs to him. It's part of his inheritance and is giving it to his younger, stupid, crazy brother who's just blown it. And something in him snaps. There's a, a rage, a jealousy, a frustration in him. And the father who looks at the younger son has said this, you know, you feel like you don't deserve it, but I say to you, you're welcome back in the home. That same father now goes to the older son and says, listen, we have to celebrate. We have to throw a party because your brother who was lost has been found. Your brother who was away has come home. We have to celebrate. But the older brother's feeling somewhat jilted because he's been the faithful one all along. So sometimes when you hear this story, you'll hear people focus on the younger brother and they'll say to folks, if you're wayward, come, come back home and you'll be welcome. And that's, that's legit. By the way, if that's you today, you're welcome back home. And we want our church to be the doorway for you to experience all the great grace and character of God. And sometimes they focus on the other brother, older brother and they say, look, a lot of people who've been believers for a while doing the thing kind of feel sometimes like the older brother. And we look at people who are messing up and we say, why can't they just get their life together? It's time that they get on board and I'm tired of carrying their weight. I'm tired of making a place for them and it's my stuff anyway. And why don't I get my needs met first? And I don't get enough. And we look at sometimes the older brother character and we say to everybody, look, if that's you, you need to really deal with your heart. But today, I want you to see the heart of the father because a clear picture of God changes everything. It was the dad who went to both sons. Let's, let's say it this way on your side screens. The father wants to throw a party. <laughs> he does. The father wants to throw a party. And both brothers who represent the wayward and the faithful are hesitant to go to the party. And so to the younger son, he says, look, don't, don't count yourself unworthy because I call you worthy. Of course you're unworthy, but I call you worthy. I put my robe on you, my ring, my shoes. It's my party I'm throwing for you and I want you to come. But the same father goes to the other brother who doesn't want to go and he says, look, you got to come too because the whole point of this family thing is that my heart for my kids is on display and how did you live in my house without seeing my heart for both of you? Somehow you're able to be here and be faithful, but you missed my heart. You got to come to the party too. You got to get over here because I want to throw a party. And so he compels both sons to come to the party. But I wanted you to look at one particular verse since we've been kind of talking all around it. It's in Luke 15. Greg, you want to take it here and, yeah. and, and share this kind of clear picture from the heart of the father? Yeah, it just re-says what we've said, but this is what it says in the Bible. And there's one, one little thing we want to pull out of this. This is in Luke 15, chapter, or chapter 15, verses 22 to 24 says this, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Again, like you said, this is the older brother's robe at this point. Everything in the household is his. Put a ring on his finger, the older brother's ring, and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son that was mine, of mine, was dead, and but now he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. So they begin to celebrate. Yeah, and the cool thing here is that the father says to the servants, Somehow the sons didn't get it. But the servants are willing to do the father's bidding. And he says to the servants, you go set up the party. And sons, 
I just want you to come and be here with me. My heart for you is to be connected to you. I'm not holding any mistakes over your head. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And we're not going to talk about some sense of fairness and earning and right and wrong and getting your needs met. No, we're going to be together. Here's, here's God's heart. God's heart is that he celebrates first and foremost restored relationships. And you want to know what it's going to take in your life and in mine to restore any brokenness in any relationship? One ingredient. And it flows directly from the heart of God. Grace. It's grace. That's why Paul writes in the New Testament, as you have been recipients of grace, then demonstrate the grace to the brothers and sisters. It's, it's not that somehow you have this unending supply of it, but as you have received from God freely when you didn't deserve, then dispense the, it. It will restore every marriage. Grace, it will. Every brokenness between siblings, it will. Every brokenness between friends, grace extended. The heart of the Father on display, clear display of the, the church is at its best when we clearly display grace. The father in the story wanted the sons to come to the party. And the heavenly father, he's the one calling us, his servants, to go compel people and get the party ready and compel them to come in. Yeah, one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible, we don't get a lot of glimpses into maybe what heaven is or how it operates or what it looks like some, but one of the the best ones is a passage that talks about how all of heaven has a party when lost people come into a relationship with Jesus. A party's thrown. There's a party in heaven. There's celebration that happens when lost people are found. Yeah. It, it, it's beautiful. When we do baptisms around here, we kind of hoop and holler. It's to just in a moment kind of give a snapshot of what's already happened in heaven when that person turned their heart toward Jesus and said, I'm a, God, I'm a sinner. You're Lord of the universe. Be Lord of my life. And the Bible says that instantly there's a party and there's a head table and your name is on the banner behind the head table when you've made that vertical relationship between you and God right, you reconnected through the, through the lens and the power of grace. But there's also that horizontal amount of relationships where God wants grace to be active there in the life of a church, yeah. in your life, but also us creating. The Father wants to throw a party and people don't want to come. Some feel like they're invalidated from coming because of their mistakes. Others feel like they shouldn't have to really rally around a party because they've been faithful. And the father's there in the middle going, I just want to have a party. Would somebody help make a party? And would somebody invite people to come to the party? That's his heart on display. Yeah, and you know, we've been doing church in this facility now since December 9th. I think it was our very first Sunday in this facility. Yeah. Prior to that, the, the eight plus years prior to that, we were a mobile church. And we want to take just a little time in the message today to say thank you to Four Corners Church, those of you who make this church happen because grace has been extended. I mean, there was a, a while in our church's history, and I don't want to talk about numbers a lot. We had high attendance, and we've had to move several times. Yeah. Um, and the last move, we were in a situation where we had to move back to the movie theater, the rave over in Westchester, Teresa Westchester. Had to go from two services, which was at one time three services, down to one. And because of the move and having to scale back the service and the times when the movie started, lost some attendance. Um, and it was a time in our congregation where it was like, man, what, what's going on? Are, yeah. are, we, are we following the right path? We feel like we had this dream that God's given us and things had been going well. And it was still okay at the rave. And yet we felt like there was more that needed to happen. But all through that time, God's grace was being extended. But since we've gotten to this facility, man, it's been like it's been a game pouring changer. in, bubbling over. I mean, it's just been yeah. amazing. 
since we've been in this facility, really just since this year, since January 1, several dozen people have given their hearts to Jesus for the very first Great. time. Great, I think there's only, and I could be wrong, give me a little grace, I think there's only been one Sunday where yeah. someone did not check on their Connect card, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the very first time. Uh, that's amazing, guys. We've never seen it like that. Last week, uh, Pastor Matt spoke about friendship. Yeah. He didn't really make a major point. Five people last week crossed the line of faith from death to life, lost to found, and committed their lives to Jesus. Now, I know we're not Pentecostal, but that's the place to give Jesus yeah. a hand clap of praise right there. Woo! That's what we're about. Yeah. And then, And then giving them an opportunity to be in a community where that grace isn't going to be extended just on the front end, right. but over and over and over again. I'm going to tell you one more time. I don't know if you need grace, but your pastor needs grace from you. Yeah. We all need grace from each other, and we get to then display God's heart. We don't, we're not any better as a church than when we're extending grace to people. Yeah, and we get to see it not only in lost people, people who are far away from God coming to know Jesus, but in the lives of the people who have been attending here for a while. Yeah. I know you're part of, uh, is it a Tuesday morning? Uh, we do a Thursday morning, Thursday morning every morning. other week. I've been very diligent, uh, not undiligent lately. I've been very uh, absentee lately because of just goofiness in our family and right. stuff going on. A lot of folks know about that. But uh, these men, uh, let, me, let me tell you what the conversations are like. Um, you know, I don't know what you think about a pastor, but I'm, I'm just a normal guy. And I got to have friends in my life. And so these are the guys who over the last few weeks that I haven't been able to be around are sending me the text. How you doing? How you doing? You know, as I've been dropping balls, and it's apparent I'm dropping balls, these are the guys saying, we believe in you. Uh, God's not done with you. God's used you in my life. These are the men who we have conversations, and, and I'm not kidding. These are, are bright, sharp, articulate men who could do anything with their time. They could work more and make more money, but they sit around a table, and they ask this question regularly. How can I be a better husband? How do, how do I be a better father? And what are, what are you doing? I just got a text just a few moments ago from one of the guys in my group, and he's drilling down on the last conversation um, this is grace yeah. and, and, and life and action, and it's life-changing grace. Those stories, those stories are happening around here. When you have served, given, prayed for, attended, smiled, welcomed, shake, shook hands when we yeah. do our little fellowship time here, you're creating that place, and God is present when his character is on display, yeah. and it's changing and, things. And the party's happening. I mean, it is. To the go party back is to happening. the metaphor, um, one of my favorite stories, I have a guy that serves on one of the teams that I lead. They, he and his wife and his family, they've been going here for, I think, five years or so, give or take, something like that. And they were a lot, maybe like you, or maybe you can relate with this, but they were a good family, nothing majorly wrong. I mean, married, three kids, everyone doing pretty well in school for the most part. Great job for the husband. You know, work 60, 65 hours a week. Um, the thing that was absent in their life, though, is they didn't, there was no God dialogue. There's no God talk. There's no spiritual stuff happening. Well, they got invited to come to the church by one of you. I don't remember who it was, but someone invited them. They showed up, loved it. Didn't know if they loved uh, everything, but they loved the experience they had. And so they came back like a lot of you did. Kept coming back. They've been here now for five years, but over that time, I've gotten to know this family really well. It wasn't very many weeks in where before the the wife started volunteering. Uh, A few weeks after that, um, finally, the husband decided he would volunteer. I remember his first volunteer job, he wanted to sign up to serve in tech. Tech's kind of the stuff that happens with the lights and the sound and the videos. And so we put him on uh, operating a video camera. We figure, you know, worst case, there's three or four. Uh, if he messes it up, we won't use his shop. And he did mess it up a lot, um, <laughs> like a lot of us do. Uh, and it, but he started serving. He started hanging around. Um, wasn't 
many more months after that, maybe 12, 18 months, he started leading a little bit. He started leading a small group of people who were doing something. I think it was the people who pressed the buttons on the computers to display the screens. Now, five years later, he runs everything you see in this room. He's kind of over all of it. Great guy. That's not what I like about him so much. Not that he's volunteering and giving back to the life of the church, but over that course of time, I've gotten to know a little bit of his story. I remember a year after they started coming here, he gave me a, he gave me a little text, and he's like, hey, I want to buy a Bible for my kids. I don't know what to buy. So I immediately, in the middle of something, picked up the phone, gave him a call. I wasn't sure what to tell him. I haven't bought a Bible for my kids in a while. You know, I'm, a, I'm like the perfect dad. Mine got theirs when they were babies. Uh, <laughs> so, but I wanted to get right on that. So we talked about it. I looked on, you know, the internet, found what I thought would be a pretty good Bible for his kids, and he bought his kids their first Bibles. Big day Amazing. in the life of their family. A few months after that, I remember I, I got a, uh, a text from him about uh, where he needs to start reading from in his Bible to his kids. He wanted to start reading the Bible to his kids at night before they went to bed. He's like, well, I don't know where to start reading. Should I start like in Genesis or the beginning of it? Go start- straight to Revelation. They'll right. stay awake all night long. <laughs> right. <laughs> Scare them to death. <laughs> so I got to, you know, just share with them what I, what I had done and what I would do, um, starting maybe in the Gospels with some of the stories and skipping around some parts that would have their, their interest. And so now, on a regular basis, they get together with their family. He does with his kids, and he reads them the Bible at night. My favorite story happened, I don't know, six months ago or so. He, th- this guy, he ended up getting the flu like a lot of us did this past winter. Um, ended up having to miss a couple of days of work. Well, happened to be that he caught the flu during a time when his wife was out of town, which is a horrible time to get the flu if you're married because then there's no one there to take care of you. Yeah, nobody's um, baby yet. That's right. right. Well, one of his kids, <laughs> one of his, his sons, he, he's not in school yet. I think he's three or four years old. Precious moment, though. There, there is the man, the, the guy who's been coming to our church for five years, growing in his faith, trying to do what God would have him do with his family, I mean, the husband and the dad that God created him to be, and uh, just feeling bad like we all do when we have the flu. The, the sweet thing that happened, though, is this little boy comes up to him and offers to pray for him. Mm. So right there in the middle of his sickness, and, you know, his son's seen him throw up with the high fever, laying in bed sweating. His son puts his hands on his dad and says a prayer for him. Simple little kid's prayer. I don't remember what it was, but that's something beautiful. like, God, you know, be with my daddy. He doesn't feel well, but I mean, that's, that's, that's the partnership. That's the kind of stuff that's yeah, that's a partnership between that parents' activity, our church, but the character of God kind of getting writ large over that that address. Um, I, I want to give you one more. We have, we have a, a person who's in our band. He wasn't always in our band. And at one point, he was just a, a guest who had some skills we didn't know about. Somebody had invited him, and uh, at some point, we found out he had some skills, and so um, he tried out for the band. And he's not in the band. In fact, he's in the room, but I, I won't give you his name. And I'll be honest with you, his life wasn't all put together. In fact, it's still not completely put together, and he was reaping some of the consequences of some poor choices he made. But he came here and experienced grace, and he got to be a part of, of making it happen. And in that environment of being a servant, of giving back, his life began to, to transform and change. And I'm very excited about what God's still going to do in this young man's life. The, the, uh, God and him together are going to do something great. But that's not the entire story, that you welcomed him and made him feel a part, and that he got to be... I can connect the dots to 17 other people that he has brought here in this place because he said, this is a place where I experienced grace and a fresh start. And I think, I think you would really like it here. That's why what we do is important. It isn't because I get to give a message and Will gets to lead in worship and Nate gets to lead kids or you get to lead a team or be a volunteer. That's not, it's that the character of God is on display and the church is never more healthy than when the grace and character of God is on full display. That's why what we do is so important. And that's why a couple years ago, we began to leverage 
our opportunity to move into this place. And it wasn't that we had it all together. It wasn't that we, it was going to be an easy road, but we decided we were going to be the servants that the Father could look at and say, go get the party ready. Go compel people to come. We didn't feel like we, we had run as far as we could run doing that in a temporary environment. We wanted to have a better place where kids' ministry could really thrive. Let me tell you how much it's thriving. We're already out of space in preschool. Already out of space. They had 19 babies a couple Sundays ago yeah, in the nursery. Ago, yeah. We have some of the best and brightest minds in our church holding babies. And some people would look at that and say, that's a waste of resource. Uh-uh. Because those men, a lot of them, and women, a lot of them, love those kids. And those kids are learning early on. I don't know much about Jesus. I can't even sing, Jesus loves me. But I'm experiencing, in their minds, this is how it happens. I'm experiencing love and acceptance right here. It's a beautiful thing. And over on the other end of the building down here in, 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 in elementary and in middle school, and then on Tuesday night in student ministry and here in this room, people are experiencing grace. And yet as a church, we're having to ask the same questions we've challenged you with over the last four weeks. Where do you need to create room so that first things stay first things and important things stay important? Because... Getting into this building stretched us. Yeah. It took everything. Yeah, and so, like I said at the beginning of the message today, we want to talk to you just a little bit about an area we need to detox as a church, um, and it's around money. We got into this facility right around December, um, and we've been in a 20... It was 30, 30 months, but we're at about month 20 month right 20, now. 2021 capital campaign, um, and we did this building just financially, fiscally tight. I mean... We, money was spent well, things, uh, we did a lot of the work ourselves. Many of you sitting in the room today probably still have sore knees and backs from the work we did to build yep. this place. But the reality is we're a little short from where we need just to pay for phase one. And so we just want to simply set a goal out, see if this congregation can rally to help us finish paying for phase one uh, of this facility. So to give you a little backstory, because a lot of you don't even know what's been going on. We did this thing called the Build Lives Capital Campaign. It was to pay for for this building and the, for the first phase build out. And the pledges for the capital campaign were terrific. We had... Be- better than I expected. Yeah. The Lord really moved on people's hearts. We had $731,000 committed for the capital campaign. Uh, enough money to get us into phase one once we made some tweaks to the plan, got with the architect and the People the would give that money over right. 30 months, some in one lump sum, but over the 30 months, it's how much it was committed. Yeah. Well, like smart people do, we got together with our board and decided it wouldn't be smart to spend all of that money. We preached about that a few weeks ago. Let's just budget on spending about 80% of that. Uh, that's about what typically comes in in a capital campaign in churches, given the history of, of American churches. That's what you can kind of bank on. So that's about what we set the budget for this building to be, and that's what we spent right around that, that number. Um, and so we were tracking pretty well. 20 months in, though, we're falling a little bit short. A lot of things have happened. Some people don't go to the church anymore. Right, Greg, um, about $73,000 um, left our church and commit people who make commitments because most of them went to start another church or right. be involved in another church. There wasn't anger. There wasn't frustration. Right. Um, they felt the call of God, well, and they Since we left. started this capital campaign, three churches have started out of our church uh, in a good way, but several of them were core members, major volunteers, regular givers, and they obviously, like you would do, took their money with them to start their church. And so we're a little behind where we need to be, and one of the areas we know as church leadership that we need to detox is to get this final little bit of money taken care of so we can move on to do things like expand our preschool wing, which needs expanded sorely. Yeah. Um, we need to add some bathrooms because the bathrooms right off the lobby. Right off the lobby. Uh, but before we can do any of that, we've got to pay for what's left on this phase one. 
and we're just a little bit short. We've got about in about 80% of what we needed to get in, 80% of the 80%. Right. But we're still about, what, $120,000 short or so. Uh, we are. Um, that's the gap. And so we, we're in, even though the 30 months haven't run its course. What we're able to do is ask people, would you bring your money forward? Right. A couple of people gave us um, some loans to make it happen because we couldn't keep running right. two buildings. And so we got in, even though we're not done. And so the metaphor here is, is that it's kind of like a football game. Um, at 80%, we're on the 20-yard line. That's right. our budget. It's like we took the kickoff. I mean, the drafts just happened. Bengals had a good draft, by the way, just a side note. But it's like, it's like we got the kick- God's grace on display. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> uh, but it's like we got the kickoff. We ran down the field. Good drive, but we're still, like, on the 20-yard line. Right. We need to get a first down, and then we need to score to get this over with. Right. And so what we want to do is just throw out a simple challenge to you and see if you can help finish this thing off so that we can start dreaming about phase two. So just so you're clear, we've spent 120 more than has come in, in, in a real sense, or at least we're committed to. It's, it, it's, it's happening. And so we feel that tension. And what this means is I sit in a staff meeting and Pastor Nate says, I, I, and we need to expand this space. And I say, that's awesome. Can't do it. Sorry. And we need to buy this. Awesome. Can't do it. Sorry. We don't want to live that way. We want to create a little bit of breathing room. And so to get a first down, I want to give you a, a tangible number. Now, before I throw the number up, well, there it is. $60,000 gives us a first down. This church has raised that much money in the same amount of time I'm going to throw out three other times. When we first moved to our semi-permanent facility and twice when we've given money away on missions, we've raised it. We're at, we want to raise in 44 days from now, $60,000. Let me tell you what that's going to do going to allow your pastor to get a good night's sleep, and that's a good enough reason. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. It will allow me to get a good night's sleep. That's not the good reason. Um, it, it will allow us to then, at the first down, take just enough of a breath to say, all right, what really do we need to do next? See, we, we can't do that yet. We're, we're fine. The ship's not burning. We're good. We're just ready to roll. I mean, we're we, ready yeah. to get this drive done. We didn't come here. We, none of us committed, gave, served to, to squeak by. Right. And so we want to get this done. And so all we're asking is, can we bring some of that money that's been committed over the next 10, 11, 12 months and bring that forward? Can you accelerate? If you can, awesome. Listen, if you can't, this is your church. Yeah. This is not about who can and who can't. This is about you asking, can you, and, and that's okay. So our immediate goal is a first down. We want to do that in 44 days. We came up with 44 because we're four corners. So four corners, first down in 44 days would be $60,000 above and beyond your normal giving. Um, some folks gave to build lives, but they stripped it from the budget. I'm going to tell you, that kills us. A lot of folks, once we got into the building, for whatever reason, I, th- I guess you thought we were done done and everything was paid for and you just quit giving. That's awesome. I love you. Jesus loves you, but you're killing me. You're <laughs> killing me. It's okay. I get it. But we need to get a first down here and, and we need to have a little breathing room. So our short range goal is $60,000 in 44 days. And then we'd like to complete the entire $120,000 gap by the end of the year. But we, that's the second discussion. That, that's for much later. If people just continue to give, we're going to hit that. But we need to accelerate the $60,000 now. When we hit that one hundred and it's going to give us room, uh, some money to start dreaming about preschool space, lobby and bathrooms, and then uh, making better some parking improvements for us. And so we thought about it this way. What if we rallied around this idea of four for four corners, four for four corners, the number four, F-O-R, the number four corners, all right? And so what we thought about was here's, here's kind of a way to just kind of keep it in front of our minds. In 44 days, we want to give four for four corners. And what we're asking you to do is in some multiple of four, accelerate your giving or re- re-engage your giving to build lives if you made a commitment 
Uh, and maybe some of you, you know, you're new, you, you, you can jump right on board with this as well, obviously, that, that's always welcome. But here, here's kind of the way this shakes out. Maybe four cents a day for 44 days, $1.76. I think every person in this room could do that if you wanted to. Now, I know some of us are just wired, and the church talks about money, you're not going to. And so just as a sign of you're an independent person, you're not a part of the thing, that's awesome. You do whatever you want, we got grace for all that. But almost anybody in this room over the next 44 days can find a buck 76 and say, I may not have a lot of money, but as a show of support, I'm with my church. You put it in your giving envelope right here and you mark four, four, four corners and we know what you're doing with that money. And then maybe you get 44 cents a day. This is what my kids are doing. It's about 20 bucks over the next 44 days and they're gonna give it to help make this happen. Um, As a family, we had a crazy thing happen in our finances this year. I drove a brand new car that I bought about a year ago for almost a year. And then it went kaput. It literally became a legal lemon. I got all my money back. And it's allowing us to give all of our money that we had committed to in one lump sum. My wife is writing that check today to pay off our commitment. So we are on board with you completely. I'd love to take that money and spend it somewhere else, but I'm going to make an eternal investment with it. And I'm not going to wait. I want to do it now. So you can do this in giving a multiple over time, or you can give it in a one lump sum. You know, whatever it is, some multiple of four, four bucks, 44 bucks, 440 bucks, 4,440 bucks, and, and dump that in the offering sometime over the next 40 days. Mark it clearly what it's for. Make sure it's above and beyond. Let me tell you what that's going to do for us. It's going to put us in a place, I'm, I'm not kidding, where the staff can sit around and not say, where do we need to make cuts this week? And that's an okay discussion. We'll do that for the next 20 years if we have to. We've been doing that since we were a church. We've been very, very frugal. We run a tight ship around here. But that's not where we want to stay. We want breathing room to start dreaming again. That's why we got here to begin with. I can't tell you how excited I am about this. It's certainly very doable. We've done it three other times. We're bigger now than we've ever been. We can certainly do this. It's just a matter of, and I don't want to stretch the metaphor so far that I force it, but do we want to be the servants that the father looks at and says, now go get the party ready? Because I'm telling you, the party's happening. The party's happening around here. People's lives are being changed. One, one quick story, and then, then we'll take some next yeah. steps. But uh, for almost eight years, we never had to do a funeral around here. We, we were just blessed with longevity and long life. I don't, know what, I don't know what it was, young church, something. But in the last several months, we've done several or been a part of several. And I've seen our church rally around people who were hurting at a time when, you know, when you just ask important questions and, and you reflect on life. And I've seen our people love on families who've experienced loss and bring meals and rally and give hugs and pray for in a way that just says, you're a part of us and we're gonna walk with you through dark days. I've seen our church rise to a new level. We've never done that before. I couldn't be more proud. I've seen more volunteers than ever step up and say, I wanna be a part. And we're better organized than we've ever been. I mean, some of you have been with us for eight years. You have my thanks because we have not been a healthy church. For periods of time in that, we've been compelled by a clear mission, but we haven't always done it well. And you're still here and you're still serving. You know what that is? That's the heart of God in grace, overcoming all kinds of hurdles and creating this place where the party is happening and people are being changed and we're not done. We just need to get a first down. And I think we can do this. And I don't think it's gonna take a whole lot of effort on your part other than a decision and a few small changes. Yeah, and, and we want to say one more time, if you're here today and you just hate that you came to church and we talked about money, um, give us another chance. Uh, next yeah. week, it won't be about money at all. Uh, but we want to be real in everything, like we said at the very beginning. And this is where we need to detox as a church. It's the one place where we need to create a little breathing room. So we really don't apologize for it uh, no. because it's our reality. Uh, and so we just want you to simply uh, pray 
uh, everyone in the room, whether you're put off by this or you're loving it and you're, you're glad to help, pray about how you might help uh, do this. And if God tells you to do it, we just simply ask you to follow his lead. If God gives you a clear no, don't do anything. It's okay. Like Ben said earlier, it's still your church. You still come. You still fully participate and do all that you're doing. You're welcome here. You're always welcome here. Yeah. So why don't we do this? What we always do, we're going to take some next steps. And uh, one of them might surprise you. So go ahead, and go ahead and grab out your Connect card. That was the thing that pastors Nate and Matt had to fill out on the front end with your name and email. That's how we communicate with each other. So I talked about how God's heart is really to restore relationships. And the most important relationship is your relationship with Him. So around here every week, next step A is about people getting things right vertically between them and God. I want to give you a chance today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you've never done that before. To be a recipient of His grace. And maybe you're thinking like the younger son, you don't deserve it. And you guess what? You're right, you don't. And yet He still offers it to you. And maybe you're like the older son and you feel like your life's all together, you don't really need Him. I want to tell you, even to you, the Father's saying, why don't you join the party and see how wonderful it is in a relationship with the Father and in living out His heart. So if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time, you'll check next step A. We're going to send you some information about that in, in an email and let you just kind of understand that. But in a moment, I'm going to pray. And you can use my words or use your own to say something like this. God, I'm separated from you. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. And I acknowledge that you're the Lord of the universe. I'd like you to be the Lord of my life and really, really start leading. And I'm going to let you take over the driver's seat. Check that box. And when the offering bucket comes by, at the end of the service, you put the card in the, in the bucket. And we pray with you and celebrate with you. All right? And how about next step B? I want to get baptized. That's that place where the celebration around here is most clear, that we really do love it when people cross the line of faith and go from death to life, from being lost to being found. And we know that not only is it an event, but we get to rally around them and create grace as best we can around their life. Here's the one I thought that might surprise some of you. This is really my heart. It's breaking my heart here. Number C, I'm going to meet with a skilled 4C helper to get more margin in my finances. Four time, three times this year and, and another time I referenced it, we've talked about getting healthy in your own finances. As many of you have decided you're gonna take some steps, but you're just against the wall. Why don't you check this box and let us give you a, a private consultation with somebody who's very good here. I won't know the details. Nobody else will. It'll be private between you and him or her and they will help you move forward. If you want to give and can't, this is your step. Let us help you get free here. How about next step D then? I'm going to accelerate my giving to build lives or I'm going to start again my, building, my giving to build lives and to help us get a first down in the next 44 days. Remember, four or four corners in the next 44 days. All right, how about next step E? I'd like to give, but I got some questions. That's okay, we love questions. Try to be an open book. So please contact me and we'll do that and we'll figure out a way to give you answers to your questions. Let's pray about these things uh, right now, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you that... <laughs> And I, first of all, for me, I'm just a recipient of your grace. And you really did love me. And thank you, Lord, that you've allowed me to be a part of extending that grace to others. Not because I deserved it or earned it, but because you're good. God, thank you for a church that as good as any I've ever been a part of gets grace. We celebrate today, God, that you're alive and you're at work among us. And God, today... We've talked honestly about the pressure we feel. And we're asking you, Father, to show up. God, we're asking you for $60,000 over the next 44 days. We want to be free. We want to dream again. We want to run. We want breathing room. 
God, I pray for those people that need breathing room in their spiritual lives. Today, they're declaring that they need you, that you're the Lord of the universe. They accept your forgiveness and make you the Savior and Lord of their lives. I pray for those, Lord, who need to be honest about where they are financially and work to get margin. God, I pray for each person in this room to take seriously the task of helping make the party happen here and getting us some financial margin. I pray it in the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God. Amen. Amen.